Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2019-20 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the Shockers' 19-point win in Stillwater this past Sunday. We'll also get you ready for Saturday's matchup with the Sooners at Intrust Bank Arena. To help us get ready for the Sooners, we'll be joined by Abby Bitterman, who covers the team for the Oklahoma. Great show coming up right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Shockers win by 19 over the Cowboys on Sunday in Stillwater. At today's press conference, Greg Marshall said, maybe the ceiling has been raised for this team. What are your thoughts after that big win, Taylor? Yeah, that's a, exactly what you wanted to see as a Wichita State fan. Granted, Oklahoma State was missing its star point guard, um, so that had a huge difference in the game. But I don't know if it would have mattered, honestly. You know, WSU... Uh, was so good at exploiting Oklahoma State's defense and finding those open three-pointers. I kind of wrote about it in my preview of the game. Uh, Oklahoma State was actually top 20 in the country in three-point defense, maybe even top 10, I believe. And uh, But when I watched their film on Synergy, I saw a lot of opponents just missing open shots. And, you know, small sample size, you know, opponents just have not been hitting those. And I said in that pregame story that, you know, if WSU is, is going to get the looks. You know, it's just a matter of knocking them down. That's why I thought Tyson Etienne, that's why I picked him as the player of the game. And sure enough, you know, he got the looks and he knocked him down. And, man, what a kind of under-the-radar story right now with Tyson Etienne shooting 46% on a very high volume. That is outrageous for, for a WSU freshman, you know, playing in his – first career road game too I mean this is his first taste of division one basketball and he goes on the road to Stillwater I don't think you can describe that as a hostile environment but still uh, five threes 19 points of the lead WSU I mean I've been very very impressed by just how advanced he is and I'm gonna write a story on it this week about how good he is at off ball movement he's so good at, at getting the defender as soon as they turn his head turn their head Etienne is sprinting along the three-point line, relocating, trying to, to stay in that vision of the ball handler, and he's so good at those kick-out threes. And, uh, so be on the lookout for that this week. But that was the biggest takeaway was just Tyson Etienne and how good he was at, on his first true road game of his college career. Well, and we talked about this on last week's show down in Mexico. If there was one kind of good thing that came out of the loss against West Virginia, it did seem like Tyson was becoming more of that go-to shooter. Certainly he's now entered the starting lineup, did that against Central Arkansas as well, and and has been producing. But really this was a game that was won by the Shocker guards. Uh, uh, two of the big men, Echenique and Big Mo, were in foul trouble for most of the game. But these guards were fantastic. We saw Burton flirt with a triple-double. He has 
seven points, eight rebounds, and 11 assists. Eric Stevenson looked well. Grant Sherfield looked well in, in spurts as well. And so this was a game, you know, they're up by as much as 29 with eight minutes to go in the second half. Really dominated from start to finish. Made 14 of their first 17 to open the second half. So, you know, everything that Matt Norlander and you and everyone else that's been talking about the team uh, said needed to happen this past Sunday, it happened. And now we've seen them start to get some of that national recognition that we've been hoping for. Yeah, you know, you, you see the Shockers land in Luinardi's ESPN Bracketology for the first time in, I think, two years um, for them during the season. So um, that's big. You know, they move up in Ken Palm. They have the number 10 defense, or I think it's even higher now. Uh, let me look. It is number it is number 10 still. So uh, they move up in Ken Palm. Um, all those advanced metrics web websites. So yeah, they're starting to build that that resume. Uh, we talked about that, um, you know, before the game. You know, this is maybe the only chance at a quad one. We'll see about VCU at home. Um, but that was a huge, huge win for the Shockers. That's going to look really, really good in March. After getting out-rebounded by West Virginia, Shockers turned around. They were plus 11 in rebounding against the Cowboys. They were also plus 15 in second-chance points. How many times did we see you know, Burton or Trey Wade grab a basketball or grab a loose ball after a missed shot on offense by Wichita State and put it back in? Huge uh, you know, game-changing moments that were happening when they were just kind of out-toughing Oklahoma State. Yeah, and actually the thing that killed Oklahoma State more was when they would get an offensive rebound and then kick it out to the three-point line. You know, really this game, uh, WSU did a lot of its damage in the first half on the second-chance points. I believe there was 19 second-half uh, points the first half, and four of those came on three-point kickouts when, you know, Eric Stevenson, you know, the, the WSU would crash the glass, get the rebound, and then they'd have Stevenson or Etienne spotted up on the three-point line. And I talked to Mike Boynton, the OSU coach, about that after the game, and he said that's just that's where they killed us. Is uh, you know defenses they collapse, they go to the board trying to get the rebound. It's not like people stay on the perimeter to to guard someone when the the shot is in the air. So that's when the defense is at its most vulnerable. And when WSU was able to get that rebound, they immediately looked to kick out. And 12 points, you know, those are killers when you know you could get a stop. And you give up op offensive rebound, and then WSU uh, hits you with a three. So that's just absolutely killer for the defense. It it, it didn't happen too much the second half, but that's where WSU. I, I had some stat uh, right after the game that OSU actually outscored WSU if you look at just the first chance on a possession. I think it was 25-19, and if you look at second chances, WSU absolutely killed them. I think it was like 19 to, to 6, I believe, on second chance points. So, you know, Oklahoma State was playing pretty good defense on defending that first shot. But, you know, where WSU really took control of the game was, you know, crashing the glass and then not just getting the rebound, but, you know, making them pay and scoring on that second chance. Greg Marshall is now 2-0 at Gallagher-Iba Arena. Was a big contingent of Shocker fans down there on Sat or excuse me on Sunday. I'd say about 70-30, maybe 60-40. Although, to your point, you know, there were some brought up here locally about filling up seats at Wichita State games. The Cowboys, yeah. I mean, there there was a lot of fans that came dressed as empty seats that day. About half the building uh, was empty, completely empty. So no, it, was, it wasn't quite it was, the atmosphere we were looking for. It was way more than half. So they have like a 13 and a half or 13.5 uh, seat arena. And the scan ticket audit or attendance was a little over 5,000. So that's, you know, 8,000 empty seats. And of the 5,000, I mean, I would guess, yeah, I mean, that's probably... 
35, 40% Shocker fans. You know, you, you go on some of these Oklahoma State uh, message boards, and they were very annoyed by WSU fans standing up and clapping for, I think, the first three, three four minutes of the second half until they gave up a field goal. So they definitely let their, their presence be known. And, yeah, I mean, I think I don't, I don't want it, uh, it blown out of proportion for, you know, the attendance issues with Wichita State. Yes, they are down. But if you look at, I mean, that's happening all across the country, and also look at the the opponents, look at the start times. Exactly. I mean, I don't think we're having this conversation a month from now when you have Memphis and Cincinnati, and Absolutely. obviously Old Miss and VCU coming to town as well. So it, it's just part of that. You know, people are, are busy this time of year. I don't, I don't think it's as big of a deal. But at the same time, I think you can also have more expectations from the student section, or you can yeah. want more people to maybe be in that walk up uh, day of and get those general admission tickets. So you, you don't have to have you be on one side or the other. I think you can say, hey, we need to step it up as a fan base and support these guys. But at the same time, we don't need to freak out that there's been, you know, some empty rows at the top of the student section when you're playing, you know, Central Arkansas or any of these teams they've played early in the season. Yeah, I was going to say relative to everyone else, I still think WSU is, is pretty well off. I mean, I think there, but that's, you know, that's the expectation. You know, these are fans who pride themselves in, in supporting the Shockers and making Coke Arena one of the best environments in all college basketball. But uh, on the other hand, you know, this didn't always happen. You know, you look even, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, even Greg Marshall's first got here, you know, people were packing their arena trying to get behind this team. And I think, you know, with all that success, you know, maybe fans have kind of started to take it for granted that, okay, Central Arkansas, you know, Gardner-Webb. We need Webb. halftime shows again. If we had quick change <laughs> in there or, uh, what is it, Red Panda in the building, the people would be filled. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like right now, I think uh, <laughs> fans are maybe taking it for granted that, you know, WSU are, is going to win these big games. And maybe they're, I mean, Maybe it's because there's not a Fred or Ron on this team. Uh, they're still trying to build through that, but I think you're right. I also, think a year or two from now, I mean, I think the the city will get behind these guys. Absolutely. I think they've got a deep tournament run in them. What you know, it doesn't have to be a Final Four, but a Sweet Sixteen or something like that. And you know, winning obviously will will get people back behind it. So absolutely, I wouldn't and, worry too much about it. Yeah, and you look at the way this team is set up. You know, ten of thirteen freshmen or sophomores. This team is going to be together for three years if everyone sticks together so there's going to be some special moments coming in the you know the near future for the Wichita State team and um, I think you're right you know I think winning has a part to do with it you know last year was a down year this year I think people are starting to get excited now after this Oklahoma State win um, it'll be interesting to see the attendance on Sunday I talked to, to Wichita State's ticket operations uh, guy Russell Wilkins today and he said there's still 4,000 seats available for that uh, Sunday game against OU Saturday. or Saturday game against OU so a little troubling there you know they sold out the their arena. The lower bowl is sold out. Yeah and, yeah so they sold it does out 14,000 so I mean it's yeah. about you know nine or ten. Yeah I will sold. say the people that come to this game are the diehard fans and you know they usually get a little more lubricated before the game <laughs> down in Old Town and they are a little more vocal but yeah we, we need to we need more than that at this game here on Saturday. Yeah, it should be a great game like uh, we're about to talk about. You know, um, these are two probably NCAA tournament teams. You know, I think both are kind of on the bubble right now, but both have played very well uh, in the non-conference. You know, 8-1 and one versus 7-1, and one, two top 45 teams in Ken Palm. So a lot to get excited about. And, um, you know, WSU hasn't played that well at interest the last, I think, three years now. So um, they're going to be looking to, to turn that around. And, you know, if they get this win – 
their their NCAA tournament hopes are looking very, very good right now. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Abby Bitterman, who covers the Sooners for the Oklahoma. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. We'll move now into our preview of Saturday's matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners. Game tips off at 5 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPN2. And, of course, this is the one game per year that will be played at the downtown Intrust Bank Arena. To help us preview the Sooners, we're joined now by Abby Bitterman, who covers OU Athletics for the Oklahoman. Abby, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? It's great. It's uh, you know exciting time of year, certainly for Sooner fans. I know a lot of focus is on the college football playoff and that exciting win uh, over uh, Baylor in the Big 12 championship. But focusing on the college basketball side of things, give us an idea. You know the Sooners are seven and one. I uh, had the one uh, kind of uh, mishap against Stanford, but overall have have looked pretty good. But just get us a, give us an idea how the team has looked here so far early in the season. Yeah, you know, OU to start the season, I think, has been, except for, like you say, that that Stanford game, you know, played pretty strong. They've played a lot of teams pretty close, especially in the first half. They're, they've definitely been more of a second-half team to this point. Um, but, you know, for being such a young group and a group with a lot of new players and parts, they've done a um, really good job of finding ways to win, especially at the end of games. Uh, they just did it. Uh, last week against North Texas, uh, they had to do it. They've had to do that pretty much in every game except Missouri when they were dominant all the way through. But, yeah, no, kind of the story of OU so far for the most part has been a second-half team who hits its stride at some point and then just takes off. Abby, give us an idea in the games where the Sooners have won. What have they really particularly done well? And then we mentioned the one blemish against Stanford. That was a 19-point loss. Maybe what didn't go so well in that game against the Cardinal, uh, just for our our listeners to kind of have an idea what the, the game from the Sooners will look like. Yeah, you know, something that for the most part, I would say in the majority of the games so far this season, the Sooners have done really well. Um, is their defense. Their defense has been a lot more consistent than their offense can be at times. On offense, they're pretty streaky, um, and that's something that uh, Juan Kruger, the coach, will tell you himself. Um, But they've also, something that's been really key for them is production from uh, their bench. Uh, Victory Wakor, Kirk West, uh, uh, Jalen Hill, and... uh, Alondis Williams have all played some really meaningful minutes for OU so far this season and uh, had some meaningful production in that too. Um, They've been getting a lot of points uh, from their bench and outscoring the opponent's bench, which I think has been really key for them too. Um, The only time when, I mean, aside from the Stanford game, the only like glaring time when the bench really wasn't as big of a factor was against UNT. When, um, last Thursday when OU kind of just barely pulled it out at the end. But, so their bench has been something that's been really key for them, and their bench players also bring a lot of energy. Against against Stanford, I think that they kind of just maybe looked a little bit almost lost the whole time. Uh, they really struggled on defense, struggled to go on a run. That's been something that I think that has allowed OU to – come back and separate itself 
in second halves of games uh, is when it kind of just goes on a double-digit run against teams, and they really struggled to, you know, find consistency on any side of the ball against Stanford, and that just kind of snowballed into that big loss, like you said. The Sooners were picked to finish eighth in the Big 12 this season. Uh, Wichita State got to see West Virginia two weeks ago, got to see Oklahoma State this past weekend. Uh, As far as expectations from the fan base, where do you think things shake out in the Big 12 this year? And then also, would you say the ultimate goal for this team is to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is the goal, like it is for them every year. Um, I think that this being such a new squad, them being picked to finish to finish eighth. I wouldn't say that the expectations at the start of the season were very high. And I think that that's something that, you know, made their games a lot of fun to watch is that they've had, have found a lot of early success and have had some really like fun and dynamic players to watch play. What you mentioned at the top of this, that OU has a lot going on with its football team right now. And a lot of fans are still pretty focused on that, but the ones that have been tuned in to basketball, I think, have still, you know, been able to see a fun and exciting team. I think that they're incredibly capable of outdoing that uh, eighth place expectation. Uh, I don't know where exactly I would put them because, you know, around Thanksgiving, I would have thought that Oklahoma State was, you know, have a have a breakout year and, you know, do incredible things and the last two games, I mean, they could turn it, they could, there's plenty of time for them to turn it around, but these last two games for Oklahoma State have kind of not looked anything like they did around Thanksgiving. So where exactly they'll wind up, I think, I don't, I don't have a good idea, a good sense of yet, but I think that they're very capable about shining their expectations from the beginning of the season. Yeah, and you look at uh, Joe Ludinardi's, he's his last um, ESPN Bracketology update, he has OU as a 10 seed, he has WSU as a 10 seed, so um, should be a pretty even matchup going into this, um, you know, semi-home game for WSU playing at the downtown arena. What kind of uh, feel do you get for this game? Uh, do you have a prediction for this game, or how do you think it's going to go for OU? <laughs> that's That's the thing about OU is that, you know, so at halftime, sometimes in these games that they've won, I truly have been like, Ugh, I don't, they're not playing very well, and I don't, I don't see them turning it around, and then they do. So I don't really know that if I have a prediction, especially, especially after seeing how Wichita State handled Oklahoma State. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm. I know you want to do it. Just sure, go ahead. Go with the shockers. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I might. I might. Uh, <laughs> we won't tell any of your readers that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's fair. I think that Wichita State does have, does have a really good chance to win. I mean, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of that Oklahoma State game, but from what I saw and what I read from uh, our Oklahoma State beat writer, Jacob Unruh, it was, it was pretty much the shockers all the way through, so... I think that uh, it's very, very likely that Wichita State could take down another Big 12 opponent on Saturday. 
Yeah, if you look at Ken Palm, the Shockers are 39 and the Sooners are 42. So it really, I mean, they're just about as close as you could be and should be a real fun matchup in downtown Wichita on Saturday. For our listeners, you can follow Abby on Twitter at Abby underscore Bitterman. You can also read her work with the Oklahoma. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. move now into our own preview of Saturday's matchup with the Sooners. As I mentioned, the Sooners are 7-1. They have wins over Minnesota, Oregon State, and Mizzou. Their one loss was by 19 points to Stanford. They have not played a game since last Thursday, uh, so they'll be coming on on a little bit of a a break uh, here before playing in Wichita on Saturday. First reaction when you look at the stats and their, uh, you know, uh, what they've put on video here so far. Yeah, on offense, uh, pretty good shooting team um, inside the arc. It's actually surprising to me that they're struggling so much outside the arc. You know, only 31%. You look, you go down their roster, they have some pretty good shooters right now that aren't, you know, living up to their reputation. You know, everyone or, you know, fans should remember Brady Manick and what he did with Trey Young. I'm going to do a story on that. I feel like he's been in school for about five years, he, and he's only a junior. He's an eighth-year uh, junior, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he absolutely killed uh, WSU the last time they played. He's only at 33%. Uh, Austin Reeves, you know, when he was at WSU, he was a sharpshooter. You know, he was taking a lot of threes, uh, making over 40%. And you look at what he's doing at w- or at OU, and it's kind of flipped. You know, he's driving way more. He's shooting 53% inside the arc. At WSU, he was taking about, you know, two-thirds of his shots beyond the arc. That's kind of reversed, you know, at OU. He's taking actually more twos than threes, and on the three-point line, he's only shooting 32%. So um, that was kind of the thing that stood out to me about their offense is that they're not shooting the ball very well, uh, not turning the ball over hardly ever. So um, that's how they're kind of extending or making the most of their possessions on defense. They've been pretty good, you know, above average, but nothing, you know, special. Um, you know, they never hit the offensive glass. They spend all their resources going after defensive rebounds, so pretty hard to get offensive rebounds. But, you know, WSU looked really good against Oklahoma State, um, so that's going to be something to watch. Uh, OU hardly fouls. They never send teams to the free throw line. So if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to make your shots. So um, that's kind of their formula for success so far. Um you know, I think uh, this is another good matchup for WSU if it follows. You know, I know um, Greg Marshall is going to put together a good game plan. So, you know, if they follow those details, um, I think this is a game that WSU can certainly win, especially at interest. A big key to this game, in my opinion, is going to be rebounding. And, of course, that's a big key in just about any game that Greg Marshall coaches. The Sooners are only uh, less than uh, plus one on rebounding margin for the year at 0.8. So should be an opportunity for the big men to get in there. I think Echenique can have a big game. The Sooners are also only averaging four blocks, so their big men 
time, you know, is really Brady Manick, that 6'9 junior forward, and he's kind of one of those guys who likes to flow out a lot towards the three-point line. So I'd like to see him take care of business inside. This is also a game that I think, you know, the the Shockers need to have a little bit of a revenge factor. They got beat by 32 last year in Oklahoma City. It was really, uh, you know, certainly not the low point of the season, but one of the, the, the points where we were wanting to see more from that young Shocker team last year. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, uh, Jaime Echenique, he should feast this game because, you know, Brady Manick, he is, you know, a stretch five, I guess. Um, he's not a center at all. I mean, they put they put five shooters on the floor, but they're not making as many threes. They're not taking as many threes. So it's kind of bizarre. Um, but yeah, you know, when you have Manick on Jaime Echenique, he's going to have, you know, 35 pound advantage. Uh, you know, Brady is, I mean, I haven't looked it up on Synergy yet, but I assume he's not a great post defender. And we've seen Echenique actually take advantage of some pretty good centers uh, these last two weeks out. So um, I think that's a, a matchup that absolutely can be exploited. And in terms of rebounding, like I said, uh, OU hardly ever hits the offensive glass. A lot of the ones they do get are kind of almost by accident. You know, they're, top, they're bottom 50 in the country, so they don't, you know, put any resources into trying to get offensive rebounds. And like I said, they, they do try it. They go all out for getting the defensive rebounds. So that's going to be something that I also think the Shockers can exploit. You know, you look at, you know, Trey Wade, J.B., or really the four-man rotation at center. These are this is a great opportunity. If you can, you know, get offensive rebounds, you're going to kill them on the glass because you know they're hardly ever going to go after offensive rebounds. So that's definitely something that WSU will look to look to exploit. And like we talked about with the Oklahoma State game, get the offensive rebound, turn around, look at the three-point line. Stevenson, Etienne have been money in those situations. Opponents are shooting over 40% against the Sooners, 41.4% from the field. So you think in that scenario, when you kick it out, hopefully just like they were in Stillwater on Sunday, these guys are able to knock down those baskets. Let's talk about Austin Reeves a little bit. He is, uh, of course, the redshirt junior that transferred from Wichita State, leading the Sooners in scoring at 17.6 points per game. My first question, I guess we'll open this up to you as well, Producer Brian, just what kind of reception do you think uh, Austin will get from Wichita State fans on Saturday? Man, I think it's going to be mixed. I think there are going to be people booing, and I think there's going to be people cheering. I mean, I, I think from just, you know, seeing Shocker fans in, you know, my story's comments on Twitter, just seeing kind of uh, some of the responses, I've, I've seen about probably like 60, 40 in terms of uh, supporting him, wanting to see him do well. Um, I think there will be some cheers. I think probably the boos will be louder. Um the general gist that I've been getting is that they want to see him. Most most Shocker fans want to see him do well, but you know on Saturday he's it's not when when you're wearing crimson exactly. in Wichita. Yeah. He he's the enemy on Saturday. So um, I'm curious what you guys will uh, what what you guys think will be the reaction on, on Saturday. I, I expect it's going to be a pretty chilly reception. I don't I don't necessarily think that he's going to get booed a whole lot. I'm sure there will be a fair amount of that probably even for the first you know couple of possessions whenever he touches the ball we'll probably hear some some booing uh, but I I mean after you know five minutes of game action I don't you know unless it's it, unless it gets really testy based on the game dynamics I don't think it'll last much longer than that and and I mean he's he's just a part of the other team and what's something that I think is interesting is other than Asbjorn, nobody else on this team ever played with Austin. Yeah. I, I don't well, the walk-ons think, too, but yeah. It, well, in the walk-ons. But, but I don't think any of them really 
have any you know personal connection to him. They don't know him. He's just the guy who was at Wichita State and transferred away. But they don't, you know, they never were around him a bunch like like the team is now. And I would expect that what's more motivating to them is just like you mentioned the thirty point beatdown that they took last year. That's going to be in my mind what they're focused on and what they're trying to prevent. What about you, Dustin? Are you going to be booing and hissing up there? <laughs> you know, I, I most Shocker fans and myself, I liked Austin Reeves when he played here. Uh, he had a few of those games where it just seemed like he couldn't miss from three and would really get a streaky and a half, so hopefully the Shockers can really defend against that on Saturday. I know Coach Marshall said in his press conference today that they might switch things up just a little bit since, of course, he's uh, familiar with the program. I remember how devastated he was in San Diego uh, when they lost to Marshall in the first round around the NCAA tournament. I know he was really close with Landry. Uh, So, you know, I I wish we would have had Mike Kennedy on the show this week because, you know, certainly he's the historian of of Shocker basketball. And it'd be interesting to see if this scenario has ever happened in the past. You know, when you had someone that, you know, actually was a contributor to a program. Of course, we've seen guys come back with, you know, like Oral Roberts or if you transfer uh, to a little bit of a lesser D1 college. But in this scenario, when you go not only uh, to another, you know, uh, D1 or, or Power Six, wherever you want to look at program, but at the same time you go to a program that you know is going to be playing your old school every uh, you know single year, and so I think you know that was probably a little bit of a motivating factor for Austin when he made the switch to go to OU. Is he knew he gets the chance to come back and play Wichita State, so you know I got to tip my hat to him for the time that uh, he had here with the program. But once you're in another color, all bets are off. It's just like you know with with any of the historic rivals or different things. You know once you're in one of these, you know, whether it be Creighton or Okie State or any of these schools, you know, uh, we're, we're ready to play. And I think it'll have to be another game where the Shocker guards lead the way. You don't want to go to war with the Shockers. Is that is that right? That's correct. I believe that's how the saying goes. <laughs> so you guys don't have any fond memories of the, the seven threes against Tulsa the first half? Oh, I had great fond memories of that. It was it, ba- you guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess you, you know guys, how you get remembered in this program, though, is you take care of business in the NCAA tournament or you slay big dragons. You know, you go out there and you beat a KU or you beat some big D1 school uh, when it, no one expected you to. You don't get remembered for having a hot streak, you know, on a Tuesday night in February against Tulsa. But what a heater that was. And that's what <laughs> I was going to ask you is, uh, do you guys remember him more for the three-point shooting, you know, the Tulsa game, or, you know, I know during that season, his last season playing for WSU, a lot of, I mean, he got a lot of criticism, you know, you think back. The late night, or the late game, Notre Dame. Against Notre, Notre Dame, Dame yeah. you Notre know, Dame. The, the turnover there, he only had two points that game. And against then Houston. As you, um, yeah. no, against at Notre Dame. Um, no, no, no he, also, also he also had the, the turnovers AAC against tournament. in the tournament against, yeah, Houston. against Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, had, he also had that. And then you look at what he did to Marshall in the NCAA tournament, zero points, 0 for 5 shooting. So, do those things stick with you more, or do you guys remember him more for you know the three point sniper that that he was? I, I probably just based on the gravity of the situation, probably think a little more about those turnovers if I remember those moments. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, what do I remember him for? He was an incredible three point shooter, guy who put his body on the line, uh, you know, to to get charges quite frequently I don't know how often he did it considering his shoulder concerns but was great at drawing charges and then the other the other side of it was that you know he would 
he had some uh, unfortunate mishaps late in some games that were were really important for the team. But I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag, and and yeah. I. You know, it, he was also only a sophomore at the time. I kind of, you know, think it was it was good the fact that he was able to contribute as a freshman and a sophomore and be on the court in some of those. You know, that meant that they trusted him. As you know, remember they kind of found him out of nowhere. I think he played at a two A high school in Arkansas. So uh, it it wasn't that you know he was some big highly touted recruit. He kind of came in and and worked his way into that lineup. Yeah, that's really impressive. Is if you think of where he was, you know, four years ago, as you'd a, be thanking Wichita State. I mean, it obviously. It honestly did give him a platform to, to show his skills. And what is crazy is that, like you said, you know, when he's coming out of high school, he has hardly, I don't even think he had a high major offer. Um, and then, Arkansas State was the only D1 offer. Yeah. And you look at that, he played two years at Wichita State. And then when he, he's on the transfer market, he had a really good list of schools to, uh, to pick from. I remember uh, Michigan was one and a couple other Big 12 uh, schools. And um, really impressive. And what I can say from dealing with him uh, for uh, I only got to uh, cover him for that first year, but um, he always very respectful, always took the time to talk, um, even after losses, even after I remember that Notre Dame game, you know, he had to feel so bad about how that ended with the turnover with the missed free throw. And he talked to me once they got back to Wichita, the, I think it was like two days after. And, um, you know, a lot of players would have said, no, I don't want to talk about it. But I mean, he, he, you know, took uh, took that blame and he put it on himself, and he's like, I just got to do better. And that's what really impressed me about Austin was that he never shied away from things like that. And if you guys remember, the, there was a little controversy there at the end of the season with the Sunflower. They had uh, that column written about Austin Reeves should be benched, benched and uh, – he responded to that after he transferred, and no one uh, reads that fish rap anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, he's he's always been a stand-up uh, guy, and uh, I know teammates loved him. Everyone, um, you know, like you said, uh, with Landry, they were really good friends, and um, it was basically him and Landry after that NCAA tournament loss. Those were the only two players that showed any emotion. Really, all the seniors were pretty, you know, I don't want to say checked out, but, you know, no no one was Ready broken to enjoy up. that nice San Diego weather. <laughs> yeah, go back on the scooters and ride around downtown San Diego. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I always liked Austin. I always liked talking to him, and it was pretty cool um, to, to see some of those games when he went on those heaters. I mean, uh, you know, I just remember that first half of the Tulsa game, how, how rocking – Cocarino was especially after that seventh and final one where he, he knew it was going in uh, before it even went in and uh, I remember his mom was there and it was a really cool experience so um, I have nothing but good good things to say about Austin dealing with them you know away from the court once again though all bets are off this Saturday <laughs> the Shockers have the opportunity to become the state of Oklahoma champions <laughs> You know, they've well, taken they down do Oral Roberts. Oh, they got to beat Tulsa. Twice. That's true. They got to yeah. beat so Tulsa we, twice. We'll take down ORU. We got Okie State. Let's get Oklahoma. We'll take down Tulsa. And then we get some shirts printed up. We have Talk Angry oh, on God. the back, State of Oklahoma Champions 2019, <laughs> 2020. Sounds like a very, pretty K, nice. very K-State thing to do. <laughs> yeah, they used to be the State of Texas Champions. <laughs> yeah, Give me a prediction. I know it's early. Prediction. I, I love the way that WSU is playing after going back and watching that game. Very, very impressed. I think that to beat WSU, you have to be a great offensive rebounding team, and you have to force, you know, put some pressure on WSU's guards. I'm not sure OU can do either. 
the one thing that worries me uh, for WSU in this game is, you know, the last two times they've played, they have absolutely killed them on the pick and pop. And now that they're playing Brady Manick exclusively at the five, that's uh, that's a huge concern for WSU's bigs. And it will be interesting to see if sometimes he puts uh, Trey Wade at, at center, maybe he goes small. He hasn't done that Manic's at all. Manic's 6'9", so Wade's not too far away from him. And Manic's not going to do very much, uh, you know, it's not like he's going to back Trey Wade down. I mean, you just need someone that can uh, stick with him on those pick and pops. And, you know, Achenike is okay, but, you know, he's pretty, He's not going to be able to effectively cover that if Manic is hitting. And, you know, obviously it helps when you have Trey, or Trey Young uh, slinging passes all over the court. He really killed them passing the ball the last time they played. So that's the one concern for WSU. Everything else I think looks really good for them. I'm going to go, let's see here. How many possessions do they play? I'm going to go 77 to 65. I think this is going to be Ooh. a game that WSU takes care of business again. And Head to Vegas with that one. Ooh. Yeah, but uh, I would I would take the Shockers to cover. I haven't seen the line yet. I don't think they put it out until like a day or two before the game, but I really like the way that WSU is playing right now. I love Jamarius Burton, how he drove. Uh, that's why I put in my preview story is that he needs to drive and look to kick. Um, too many times he's taken those you know, off the dribble two-pointers. I'm just not a huge fan of those. And this game, or this last game, he really he cut back on those and he looked to the perimeter. And I think like five of his 11 assists went for threes. That's a huge number. If that if he can continue to drive, uh, contract the defense, get that help, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a lot of passing lanes to to look for. And uh, I think he's he's playing. That was maybe his best game of his WSU career. He only took five shots, so I think that's that's kind of the roadmap to success. I think the lower scoring this game is, the more that plays into the favor of Wichita State. I think they need to win this one ugly. They scored 80 points on Sunday in Stillwater, but that was shooting 44% from the field and 42% from three. So I don't think you're going to have that type of production, particularly from three, all of the time, although all these guys are capable of hitting it. But I think the the more you know they play defense, rebound the basketball, keep it in a low 70s uh, type frame, the, then they'll be better off. So I would agree somewhere in that 72 to 74 to 65 range is what you hope for. You also hope for a really good atmosphere. As I mentioned already, I think the, the fans that are there are the ones that want to be there. And so, you know, let, let, let's show, you know, what the, the venue off a little bit and, and what it's capable of doing when you get some more fans in there. What do you think about the game, Producer Brian? I think that uh, Wichita State's going to be really difficult to beat just because there's so many ways that they can beat you. You know, you mentioned the three-point shooting, that that can be cold, but they have the ability to go inside to Echenique now. And certainly that that uh, pump fake dunk move that, that he had at Oklahoma State was, was phenomenal. So I think there's just a lot of flexibility in, in how Wichita State can attack a team. Uh, certainly they you know, turnovers and how they handle pressure is going to play in a, a factor in it. But I definitely see Wichita State winning it probably in a 75-65 type. Uh. Yeah, I think OU, their hope is that they catch fire from deep. You know, Reeves and, and Manic, they've, they've proven before how good of shooters they can be. And obviously they're not shooting at those numbers right now, but still pretty early in the season. So, that is the one thing that, that gives me caution about this is, you know, if those guys get rolling and if they run and keep running that pick-and-pop play that, that Long Kruger has exploited over and over and over the last two times, 
Um, that's going to be, you know, it, it just makes me wonder how much is, you know, Asper and Mika are going to play, who's who's actually been playing pretty uh, pretty well lately. How much is Echenique going to be able to play? Uh, you know, what's the trade-off there if he's giving up those threes on defense, but um, you're going to have to, you know, capitalize with him on offense on the other end to make it worth it. So, um, you know, Moadeze, I don't know how much he plays if he's uh, having to guard Manic and, um I'm going to be curious to see what WSU does on defense. Maybe you have Trey Wade uh, guard the center and then put, you know, the center on the power forward for OU. Maybe you put him on Doolittle, somebody like that. So that's going to be the thing that I'm going to be watching for is to see how WSU. I really love the way uh, you mentioned just the more options that, that Marshall has. I think this team is way better equipped to guard the pick and pop than maybe any team has been in the last, you know, three, four years. So, um, I think that defensive flexibility is a big reason um, that I'm I'm pretty high on the Shockers. You know, top ten in Ken Palm, and I think they can can be better. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be the thing to watch on Saturday is to to see what WSU does on defense to to take away that that uh, that option for OU. They beat OU. Does that change how you view this season at all, or do you need to see it against VCU as well? Man, I think OU, it's kind of the same level as Oklahoma State without likely, I would say. Um, that's why I think that WSU is going to take care of business. Um, I I really liked OSU before that game, so I thought that was a very impressive performance by WSU. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm really, really high on VCU, one of the most experienced teams in the country. I know they've taken a few losses at the start of the season, but you know Purdue and Tennessee, those are top 20 teams, so I don't think there's any shame in that. Um, I think VCU's definitely in the NCAA tournament, so if you can beat, they're more along the lines of West Virginia than they are to Oklahoma State, in my opinion. So yeah, I think that's going to be the next big challenge. You know, if you can beat VCU at home, man, they they might only have to finish, you know, fourth or fifth in the AAC to, to get in because of all these good wins they're racking up uh, in conference or in non-conference. So, um, yeah, well, I think don't get the too far thing, ahead you of yourself. <laughs> we, we still got the games to play. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I'm saying like theoretically, if they win these if games, they beat OU, beat VCU. Yeah, then, you know, uh, that's a really strong resume. Yeah, I don't right even there. know if you have to finish in the top three of the American at that point. Um, you know, if they go. Uh, the way I looked at this non-conference was basically, you know, it, it's going to come down to, you know, South Carolina, how they did in Cancun, South Carolina, West Virginia, and then Oklahoma State, OU, VCU, Ole Miss. So those are six games. If you go four and two, um, basically finish the non-con eleven and two, you feel really good about your your uh, NCAA tournament chances. You go ten and three, probably have a little work to do. You probably have to finish top three in the American. So. Um, they're right now they're looking at these next, you know, OU, VCU, Ole Miss. That's going to kind of, uh, you know, determine how good WSU is going to be looking uh, in March. And obviously, like you said, I mean, you have to take care of business and conference. But, you know, I don't I think pretty much everyone, they're a unanimous, you know, top five picks. So, um, you know, they're going to be in the conversation. And if they can take care of business in the non-con, you know, they're going to give themselves a pretty wide margin of error. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, well, we've started to see the shooting pickup. Eric Stevenson's percentages have increased the last three or four games. He's been over 40%. ETN's been shooting it well all season long. And now the kind of the team as a whole, we saw it against Oklahoma State, the shooting was over 40%. So now that these outside shooters are starting to hit, it's starting to trend in the, in the right direction. Buy or sell, WSU ends the season at a 36% plus clip. 
I will buy that. They're at a little under a tick below 35 right now. I think this is, uh, you know, this is a new Shockers offense. Uh, I think Stevenson's, uh, it was just, you, know, you watch his shot, you know, you just think it's bound to happen. It's bound to pick up. And, you know, he's made three threes his last four games. He's shooting, like, right under 40. So, um, I think that's the, I don't think Etienne can, can keep shooting at 46. Who knows? He might. I mean, all he does is, uh, you know, when I look at three point numbers, it's I look bucket at, getter. yeah, I look at how many is he taking catch and shoot? How many is he taking off the dribble? It's almost like 95%, uh, catch and shoot. So those are the shots that are the most efficient and he's basically only taking those shots. So I love his uh, shot selection. And he still has to learn. I mean, he's still firing on some of them that he probably shouldn't. But, man, 46% is a true freshman. Um, I think a lot a lot of these threes are going to be taken by him and Etienne. And, you know, Trey Wade is having a sneaky good season, too. He's shooting 42% on uh, on threes. So um, if those three and Grant Sherfield, he's another one that could get it going. A lot of people have told me he's um, he was right there with Tyson as far as three-point shooting in the summer. So... I will buy that. I think they go um, over 36. I think it's going to be closer to somewhere between 37 and 38, I think, by the end of the year. I'm going to buy that as well. Do you remember at the beginning of the season how worried we were? You know, where's the replacement for McDuffie and Samaje Haynes-Jones' production? Well, I think the reason I would buy it is just the pure depth of the team. All these guys on a given night can score 10 to 15, in some cases upwards of closer to 20 points. And so just the, you know, how you don't always have to have one guy on every single night and they're able to kind of all share the basketball pretty well. I think that's going to lend that field goal percentage to continue to go up. Although I will say in conference play, you play teams twice. They're a little more familiar with your stuff. It you know sometimes does regress back a little bit as well. I definitely agree with that. I definitely like the way they move the ball and move, penetrate and kick and penetrate and kick. I mean, that's that's the recipe for, for high three-point percentages. All right, moving on. Wichita State, big, huge lead against Oklahoma State, 29-point lead. But in the last five minutes of the game, we saw a lot of ugly turnovers. And, and in the last few games, we've seen Sherfield, Fernandez, Etienne in different times struggle with making good passes, getting out of defensive pressure situations. So buy or sell, a, full, a good full-court defensive pressure team is the recipe to being able to beat Wichita State. I'm going to sell that. I think uh, that'll come with over time. I, I think, you know, that environment for Coach Marshall to be on the road and to be up by almost 30 points and just let those younger guys be in there and just get as much minutes as possible, that's exactly the situation you want. And I think that'll improve and they'll clean that up in practice, particularly all this time when you have, you know, one week or at least, you know, six or so days between games. I'm going to I'm gonna half buy or I'm going to buy and put the stipulation on that I think rebounding is the area where you can hurt WSU. Um, I, th- I just don't know how much of, you know, it had to do with West Virginia just having freak athletes at power forward and center, but I think that is, I don't know how many more, you know, I think Memphis might be the only one left on the schedule that could probably replicate something like uh, West Virginia. So I think that might be WSU's kryptonite. They did do better against Oklahoma State, but they're not a great uh, offensive rebounding team. OU is not a, they're one of the worst offensive rebounding teams. So I don't know how much we'll learn uh, this, uh, this weekend. So I think what you said, putting pressure on those freshman ball handlers, I found some crazy stat where it was like uh, JB, uh, Jamaris Burton, on offense when he was at point guard, the offense scored like 1.44 points per possession. 
And when you look at the three other freshman guards that played point guard in that game, it was like .67. So it was a huge, huge drop-off. Um, credit JB for that. You know, he was a great veteran ball handler. Um, but that's I think that's where you can kind of hurt WSU is taking advantage of those freshman ball handlers. I mean, we saw last year, you know, Burton as a freshman last year kind of take his lumps. So I think that, that might be something that could be exploited against WSU. Um, but like Dustin said, you know, maybe that does improve. There's not as there's nowhere close to the amount of pressure on these freshmen as there were last year. So um, maybe that improves over the course of the season. But for now, I think that is kind of the recipe to, to beat the Shockers uh, as of now. All right, so we talked some about Austin Reeves. He's currently the leading scorer for the Sooners at 17.6 points per game. So buy or sell at Interest Bank Arena, does he go for 17-plus? I'm going to sell that. I think uh, Greg Marshall is, uh, and the coaching staff is very motivated to uh, limit Austin and his his, uh, his looks, and I know they're going to be – you know, this one, you know, they're not going to say it publicly, but, I mean, it is a little personal. You know, you remember after uh, Austin transferred, uh, Marshall pointed out, like, this is the first time I've ever had a kid leave unexpectedly. Like, usually he had an idea of, like, why he would leave or, you know, maybe a kid wanted uh, more playing time or whatever. But, you know, that was the first surprise that Marshall ever had. And I don't think there's, you know, hatred or anything, but I think Marshall is going to and the staff are going to be very, very motivated to, to make sure Austin – does not get anywhere close to that 17 points and uh, they're going to throw a lot of different defenders against him and uh, pretty much go all out to make sure he doesn't go off in front of you know the fans in Wichita. I'm going to sell that as well. The Sooners get a lot from their top three scorers. Reeves is at 17.6, Doolittle's at 16, and Mannix at 14. So I don't think you're able to shut off all three of those. But I think also if Marshall goes at it from the Bill Belichick standpoint of, hey, I'm going to take one thing that you do really well and just take that completely away, I think he's probably going to pick Austin out of those three if he had to. And that's why I think they, they have the sets necessary to be able to at least slow him down. I don't think he gets – maybe he gets to double digits, but that's about it. All right, and so for the final question, we're going to go a little bit open form on this one, change of pace here. But it, Marshall talked about the ceiling being raised a little bit after the Oklahoma State game. So from your perspective right now, where is Wichita State's ceiling at this point in time? At this point in time, I think this the point, ceiling for the, for is— For this season, specifically for this season, where is their ceiling? I'm going to buy or sell your projection then after— <laughs> okay. At this point in time, it's the round of 32. I think the, the expectation should be to get to the NCAA tournament and maybe you're in an 8-9 game or a 7-10 game, and I'll take the Shockers in those type of matchups. You know, Could you make it to the second weekend? Absolutely, but I think maybe that's one year off. Uh, my, my big prediction is next year I think they're really, really good, and the year after probably as well. But for this year, that's where I would go. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I would have to wait until no after, waiting. You gotta after call this it now. OU game. But like, man, I really like the way they're playing right now. And if you ask me right now, I think they're the second best team in the American. I think they could challenge Memphis for the title. Um, Houston has not been as impressive as I thought. Here's the thing about Memphis: they're young, just yeah. like you know Wichita State was last year. So I think they have some some growing pains, and every gonna, single building is going to want to come in and see absolutely. Wiseman and all these other recruits. So they're going to be they put the, the hot. Ta- <laughs> yeah, they're putting butts in the seats when Memphis comes. Well, to they town, put so. the target on the 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 back, their literal yeah. back before <laughs> the season. So they're they're accepting it. Plus, you know what? And 
you know, you think of the suspension for Wiseman, and he's going to miss that WSU game, and could that come into play, you know, for the title as a tiebreaker? So that's, that's I mean, if WSU and Memphis, if they're playing like the way they do right now, I think it's going to come down between those two. Like I was saying, Houston, Cincinnati have not impressed me at all. UConn has actually impressed me. Temple kind of took a loss. SMU took a loss this last week, so... I, I I think Temple uh, lost to Mizzou, who I was just making fun of last exactly. week, and then they went out and beat Temple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good look. But yeah, I think you could make a case that WSU and this win at Oklahoma State is the best win in the American, and I don't really think it's close right now. So, um, you know, WSU could make an argument that it is the best team in the American right now. I don't think very many uh, people would would buy that, but I think that, um, you know, Memphis, WSU, it's right there, uh, 1-2. And, I mean, you can't count out Houston, but um, as as of right now, I think WSU's ceiling, I do think that they can go to second weekend. Um, the way that they're playing right now, you know, should that be the expectation? No, but if you're asking me what the ceiling is, yeah, second weekend, you're looking at 25-plus uh, wins, you know, especially if they can uh, come out of this non-conference. Uh, maybe they win the, all three of these next big games coming up, and they go 12-1. and one. Uh, You know, if you're going to compete for the American, you're looking at 12, 13, 14 wins in conference. So I think uh, high 20s is probably the ceiling for this team and second weekend in the tournament. Just a little add-on to that. What do you think about, you know, Eric Stevenson, some of these guys, they've talked about having that chip on their shoulder, kind of being those road warriors. But then when you get to conference play, they can still kind of play that underdog, particularly when you have Memphis and some of these other programs that were picked ahead of them. Yeah, Eric, uh, he definitely has some some swag. He wants he wants to smoke on the road. He's he, uh, you know, he shushed the Oklahoma State or whatever was left of that crowd in the, the <laughs> All 17 half. students, uh, <laughs> he told the so, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that showed it on the telecast, but after Tyson ATN hit one of those threes, I think it was in the second half, early second half, he, he was uh, talking to some fans in the front row, running back down the court. So I think these guys, they just, you know, these freshmen – are so impressive. How much more confident they are they in their shooting than yeah. last year's guys? And that's not a slight to last year's guys. These guys just they don't yeah. look like freshmen when they're shooting the yeah, ball. Yeah, I times. think that you know that's the difference with this year's team is that they just carry themselves so much differently. And Eric has talked about it too about just he's starting to see the game slower, things are easier now, and I think that's the the case for all of those sophomores is that they just have so much more confidence as a sophomore than pretty much any other sophomore because they've been relied on so much in their first two years so I think that they're just the way they carry themselves uh, how they practice um, I think that just elevates everyone on Wichita State's roster and um, I really like the way that they're playing like I said and um, yeah I think they just bring that that swagger on the road where they're not intimidated by anything and you look at the way they ended last season and the way they've started this year you know 14 and 4 then 8 and 1 so that's you know uh, 22 of the last 27 games. So this team has a lot of uh, momentum and uh, they're playing with a lot of swag. And I think that they, you know, you look at, if you guys remember how bad they were on the road last year to start that season, 0-6, um, not very many close games. And what they were able to do the first road game of this season, you know, that's basically what we saw them do in that NIT run. So I think that this team is, is has the, definitely has the makings of being something special if they do it this year, this is way ahead of schedule. Like you said, I mean, a lot of people are expecting that next year. But, man, I don't think uh, Shocker fans will have to wait for next year. I think this year is shaping up to be something uh, pretty special. 
had a lot of fans down in Stillwater. I know there's been focus on the home crowd, but I guarantee when it comes to AAC tournament time down in Fort Worth, there's going to be a whole lot of yellow and black down there supporting it, so it could certainly turn into a fun year. Last point before we get out of here, we saw Bill Self in Wichita this week had a quote, uh, kind of just mentioned Wichita State. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? I know you had a story. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I thought it was interesting just because uh, he brought it up uh, on his own. Um, only uh, Cake TV Scott Broswell was actually the only one that went to that luncheon in Wichita, and he was the one that got that quote. So um, give him the credit for that. But um, yeah, self he said, you know, talking about what uh, uh, Scott actually just asked him like how the landscape of college basketball is shaping up, and um, self said that you know he didn't think there was a big difference between the top ranked teams and even unranked teams, and he said even like Wichita State, you know, that's a team that no one wants to play right now, and he said, you know, Wichita State, um, they could beat anybody, anytime, anywhere, and yes. As evidenced in Omaha just a <laughs> yeah. few years ago in the NCAA yeah, tournament. A lot of, a lot of uh, fans <laughs> have pointed that out, and yes, that is most likely Coach Speak, you know, he's going to say that. Um, I mean, no, no a coach is going to, you know, criticize a team like that, so. I mean, um, if they can play Mizzou, they can play us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, Although he's just, never going to do it, I know he's not. Yeah, it's uh, you know, kind of reignites that that whole discussion about you know uh, bringing a, a series with Wichita State. I want to play either all eight or all nine Big Twelve teams outside <laughs> of K State. So we got thirty percent of the Big Twelve already because there's only ten teams. So you know, let's just keep knocking. Let's get an Iowa State series going. Yeah. Uh, get a TCU series going, and let's just keep knocking these off yeah. and never play KU or Let, K State. Let's take a moment then to give credit to Lon Kruger, to Boynton, to to Drew, just for scheduling. Wichita State, yeah. you know, and and saying, you know what, Wichita State's a good program. They're going to be solid every year, and if I lose to them, it's not going to kill my resume. Exactly. Nobody's going to question it, and if I beat them, then it's going to be a feather in my cap. It's yeah. going to look like a good win. And especially Drew. I mean, he's the only one that's actually coming to Coke Arena too. You know, Oklahoma State, OU, they'll do those series, but they're all semi home you know, uh, games. So, uh, Drew, I mean, they, he actually wanted to come to Coke Arena because exactly what you just said, you know, I want to prepare my guys for the Big 12. Coke Arena is one of the best environments in college basketball. My team is going to get better as a result of playing them. You know, Greg Marshall's teams have a reputation for being, you know, defensive, uh, stingy. You know, they're tough, tough, gritty teams to play against. You're only going to get better from playing a Greg Marshall team. Um, so as fans, I would be curious to ask you guys, what kind of deal would you guys accept with a, like KU? I think the best you're probably going to get, the one that I think is the, the best kind of compromise is, you, you know, you're not going to get them in Coke Arena. So interest Bank Arena, play a game in KC, and then play a game in uh, Allen Fieldhouse. What do you guys think about that? That's fair, and I think you could go to Allen Fieldhouse the first year. You could even go to Kansas City the second year. It doesn't matter, but I think that's the fairest one. Now, with Creighton, I think that's a little different story. Yeah, yeah. I Creighton would be story. home and home. I Creighton think. should right. be home and home. Do you guys but, want to see Creighton more, or is that like on the same tier? Or? I want to see KU number one, not yeah. even close. Now, yeah. Creighton is probably before K-State, I would say that, and you know, there's a few other programs in there, but... I think at some point those games will get scheduled, but it may just it may take a regime change uh, in those programs before somebody's willing to make that scheduling. Some switch. of this Adidas stuff pops up. There might be that regime change you're looking for. <laughs> well, if yeah, Pop uh, retires from the Spurs, you know, Bill Self's a popular name, so I think that is a good point. And maybe uh, McDermott at, at Creighton get 
it seems like there's some bad blood there from the Valley days. Uh, I tried to talk to him for a story last year, and he, he uh, gave me the old no comment. He big-timed you? He big-timed me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was for that story before the season when I was trying to find like the doppelganger for uh, WSU and teams that had been similar, and Creighton was like the like the perfect fit because they, they move up to the Big East, a step up from the Valley. They had a really good team the first year, and then everyone left, and they had to go through that rebuilding phase. That's exactly why I wanted to talk to him, and uh, yeah, he gave me the thanks, but no thanks on that. Frank, Frank the Tank uh, at Tulsa, he was more than willing to talk to me. So credit to credit to Frank. All right, what's well, going to be an exciting Saturday for the Shockers? Should be a good environment downtown. I know I got an alert today that ticket prices on StubHub have been dropping. I know there's exactly. I know there's still a lot of tickets available through Select a Seat through the arena. Uh, so please, you know, take your friends, take your family members, and let's have a great environment down there on Saturday. We'll be back with you next week. We'll recap the OU game and get you ready for a big home Coca Arena matchup with the greatest five stars. <laughs>